Hello, welcome to Backstage, the entertainment podcast from Sky News with our brilliant correspondent Katie Spencer. Ooh, brilliant. <laughs> the lovely Stevie Wong, entertainment interviewer and blogger of the World of Wongy Facebook page, bringing us his stateside opinion from New York. I am indeed lovely. And <laughs> <laughs> me, your nearly average Sky News entertainment. No, oh, never. Oh, come on. <laughs> so coming sympathy, up. so early. <laughs> coming up, we'll be finding out what got people this excited. Oh, my God, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's just, like, mind-blowing. We'll hear from Westworld star Rodrigo Santoro as the sci-fi show that left us all guessing finally returns. Well, you get a lot of answers, but you get a lot of new questions too. <laughs> and we'll be going back in time to the ultimate Britpop beef. Whatever anybody else thinks, we could not give a flying country out about. So starting with what's been going on since we last spoke, Katie, you were on TV reporting all about the biggest story to come out of Swedish pop music for ages. Oh, well, there's not that many Swedish pop stories that come out very often, are there? But, um, yeah, ABBA, I mean... It is very exciting. If you're a fan of ABBA, and I mean, who isn't really a fan of ABBA? They are recording the first new material uh, since they split in 1983, actually, which is a big deal. I mean, they have sold hundreds of millions of records and they kept on selling, even though they haven't really been properly together since 1983. Uh, it's all come about basically because... They're doing a hologram tour. Now, I'm not a massive fan of hologram tours. Have you got, there's like a Roy Orbison one, there's an Elvis one. What do you guys think? I think they're a bit weird. They are. They? Well, it's like, why do we even need to go to watch a hologram tour when in theory we can just probably sit at home and, uh, <laughs> and watch them just broadcast to a television screen like Beyonce does? This is true. Yeah, and everything's <laughs> on YouTube these days. I suppose yeah. there's an argument for the atmosphere of the gig, but I don't know, especially I kind of get it more with someone like Roy Orbison or Elvis where they're not around anymore. And with those, they've had like the Royal Philharmonic playing in the background, so I guess it's all about having a massive orchestra, isn't it? Exactly. But with ABBA, it's like, well, you're, you're together in the studio. Can't you get <laughs> together on stage? Here's my question. Are they, I mean, obviously they, they can get together to record and stuff, but are they friendly in, in, in real life? I mean, do, do they hate each other so much that they can't go on a stage together to perform? Well, I think this is what people have speculated about over the years. I mean, arguably, they so they married throughout the course of the band and then they also divorced, but they actually sort of carried on for a good few years, even though they divorced. So I think that the, there wasn't a lot of animosity there, arguably. They've always said that they got on. They just didn't want to get back together again. At the start of the millennium, they were rumoured to be offered about a billion pounds to actually physically wow. go on tour together, but they turned that down. I mean, talk about sort of not, not needing the money. Um, but this, the hologram tour, it had sort of tempted them back together and they'd come back together uh, to, I think, because you have to... They are putting an element of effort into this. You have to have your face scanned and things like that. So they are actually effectively doing a concert, but it's going to be all this technology that will sort of regress them back to the actual time, so they all look fabulous and young and as they would have at the time. But because they've all come back together to uh, prepare for this hologram tour, to record all this material, they uh, announced the fact that they'd enjoyed each other's company so much, uh, they announced this on Instagram, that they'd actually decided to also go into the recording studio. Unexpected consequences, as they put it, of this tour. They decided they were enjoying each other's company and they decided that they wanted to record new music. So two new songs. We haven't heard 
either of the two songs yet, which is really frustrating. Uh, one of them is due to air in a TV special, which is coming out in December. So for fans, it's so exciting. I actually went down to the South Bank Centre, which has got a massive uh, ABBA exhibition that's happening at the moment. It's running until the summer and we caught people outside coming out of the exhibition. And here's what they had to say. I think it's great. When's it coming out? It's fantastic. I couldn't believe it. I just am looking forward to hearing them so much. Oh, my God. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's just like mind-blowing, isn't it? So much excitement, really, about hearing this new music. But also, what we have to uh, talk about as well, it's ten years on from Mamma Mia! the film coming out, and this summer you've got Mamma Mia! 2 coming out. Yeah, it's very exciting, isn't it? I think fans of ABBA, it's a big year for them, basically. Massive. Because they've been waiting. And even people that maybe aren't huge ABBA fans but just love Mamma Mia! the original, it's it's it felt like a long time coming, this sequel, and when it was finally announced. And the hype is building. And when that trailer dropped <gasps> and there was Cher, I mean... <gasps> Who isn't going to watch Mamma Mia 2? I felt like I was a bearer of, of, of great gifts because I was I was uh, texting Katie and I'm like, hey, did you see Cher perform at CinemaCon? And at the time, I don't think you did. No. And what? And please explain <laughs> to the audience what you what you experienced after you you press play. So you have to Google it. It's Cher on stage in vape. Well, actually, it's not. It's a giant plant pot <laughs> whose leaves open up on stage in. Vegas and from within this giant pot plant emerges Cher in gold lame catsuit singing Fernando. And what I think we can want? expect <laughs> the uh, the entire film to kind of follow in that vein of good fun. Lily James plays the young version of the Meryl Streep character. It's all a lot of it's all a lot of flashback. But um, this is the thing as well though. Meryl. We don't know whether or not Meryl's character has been killed off because there's a line in the trailer where Julie Walters says, your mother was the bravest woman I've ever met. Yeah, it, dead? it does seem like they've killed... That's certainly the suggestion from the trailer mm. is that they have killed her off. Lots of people have returned for the sequel, seemingly not Meryl. Um, but Lily James is playing the young version of Meryl and I spoke to her recently at a junket for the Guernsey Literary Potato, Potato Peel Society and said... How are you feeling? Are you feeling as excited as the fans about Mamma Mia 2 or are you feeling the weight of expectation? And this is what she had to say. Oh, I think I always feel the weight of expectation with anything I ever do because you care about something so much and you really want to do it justice and, and, and not let yourself or it down. So I do. But I have to say this year making Guernsey and then doing Mamma Mia has just been a total joy. I've loved I've loved living in worlds with such hope and optimism and such heart and a spirit of um, uh, just, you know, films that really carry you away. And I think at the moment that's a really wonderful thing to go to the cinema and escape. So we know it's going to be a really feel-good, fun-time movie. Her voice is just amazing. I mean, you only hear a bit of it on the trailer, but she sings so beautifully, Lily James. This is the other issue, though. What songs are in there? They used up all of the brilliant songs in the first film. No way. Abba's back catalogue is vast, and there were plenty of, like, what I would describe as hits, you know, household song, Abba songs, that weren't in that first film. Honestly, when you really start trawling through Abba's back catalogue, you're like, whoa, hit after hit after hit. They wasted Waterloo on the credits last time as well. Yeah, maybe they'll bring that in somewhere else. (laughs) Shoehorn that in. Maybe amazing. they can hologram Meryl Streep on and she can do Waterloo for the fans. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> ideal. <laughs> um, ABBA, ABBA aren't the only thing that returned 
this week, or, well, it was last week, Westworld has finally returned, like lots and lots of other people. I was basically obsessed during the first series, trying to figure out what was going on. Um, if you don't know, it's a sci-fi show on Sky Atlantic. It's about a sort of theme park full of these kind of android-like, human-like creatures called hosts. So people can go and basically live out their fantasies in these theme parks. But these hosts, they kind of start gaining consciousness and then they're trying to break their programming and there's all these different timelines. And as you can tell, I absolutely love it and I'm so happy <laughs> it is back. Do either of you watch it? Oh, I have to confess I don't. It's on the list of... It's one of those shows that everyone is going on about and I feel a lot of shame for not having seen it yet. Well, here's the thing. I, I watch Westworld like in, a, in, a, in more of a binge situation, so I'm holding off until we have four episodes <laughs> and I'm going to do like, like an evening of just like in front of the telly with a popcorn in my hand and just go crazy. It's so brilliant that I, I feel like four at a time would be like the best way to, to deal with this. And that's what's wrong with young people today. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. If this was the 80s, you'd have to wait exactly a week for the next episode <laughs> see i'm going old school and going with the appointment viewing so i watched the first episode like live as it happened uh, on uk tv last week live what's that about <laughs> <laughs> I know. do you know what you know what when you watch live tv you can't fast forward through the adverts oh, what's that oh, about? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and i was lucky enough to have a chat with rodrigo santoro so loads of people will actually know him better as the really good looking love interest of laura linney's character in love actually uh, so they both work for Alan Rickman in that, like, firm. And he's, her brother keeps kind of getting in the way of them getting together. Anyway, in Westworld, he plays Hector the Cowboy, who's also Tandy Newton's character's love, love interest. Her. She's um, brilliant. She's, she's brilliant, always. She's totally brilliant in Westworld. Um, the best thing to watch in it, I think. But anyway, um, so I was lucky enough to have a chat with him. I started by asking if he's as excited as all the fans for the return of the show. I am. I, I, we had a premiere in Los Angeles, and uh, I was very, very surprised, actually, with the response. It was amazing, and people were so intrigued and, and looking forward to see the season, and, and that it was contagious. So I was kind of, you know, uh, of course, the expectations are always there, but I'm, I'm really thrilled. I think it's going to be great. It's one of those shows where people spend a lot of time thinking about it, trying to figure out what's going to happen, looking at what's going to happen next. Are we going to get some answers? Oh, you get a lot of answers, but you get a lot of new questions too. <laughs> That's what the show is about, you know? You see new parks, you see new faces, new mysteries, and new details about characters that will eventually raise new questions. Is it one of those where you're fully aware of all the storylines or do you just know the bits that you film? Um, well, we get the scripts not long before we shoot them. Uh, but we, you know, we are aware of, of what's going on in, in the episode, but it's not that we have the answers as well, which in my case, I play a host in the park. So it kind of work in my favor you know, not having a lot of information because my character doesn't have information. He's not really aware of things, doesn't remember things. In season one, season two, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, because season one, he just went on, the, I hate to use the word journey, but wow, like what an awakening for your character, like a huge arc. Are we going to see kind of, I, I know you can't talk spoilers, but are we going to see kind of more of that continuing in season two? Absolutely. Well, in season two, um, Hector is more aware and starting to deal with his memories and his 
and emotions. So in a way, it's it's really a journey of self-discovery, of self-actualization, and and he's trying to deal with uh, everything that is happening inside himself, which is dealing with emotions, dealing with uh, those memories and and feelings that he never, you know, had before. So it's it's a uh, it's like becoming a human being. It's that. Um, archetype that you saw in season one, which is the alpha male, you know, badass cowboy villain. But now that is becoming a person, uh, which is very, very interesting. And that's his journey in season two. He just looks like so much fun to play, isn't he? <laughs> it is. It is. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you know, especially the action sequences. And it's it's a character that has a lot of sense of humor. And, and he sort of like has this theories uh, about the apocalypse and about the end of the world and and it's very philosophical uh, in a way and I enjoy that very very much. Obviously you're no stranger to these shows that have kind of very intricate uh, plots you were on Lost as well are you good at keeping the secrets because I'm sure you must get bugged for spoilers. <laughs> I am not that great at keeping the secrets but I, I, I do keep the secrets because I don't want to get in trouble. Um, but uh, it's not that we know that much, you know. We as uh, performers in the show, we also don't have a lot of uh, information. But, um, yeah, we cannot. I, I think, you know, people want to know, but they actually don't want to know because that's the fun of it. You know, they want to participate on, you know, they want to figure out what's the puzzle. So you don't want to give all the spoilers, even though people go like, oh, so what happened? And what about that? What about that? How is it going to end? And this and that. But uh, I don't think they really want to know, because once they do, then what's the fun? It's like a magic trick, isn't it? Once you find out how it's done. Yeah, it's, you uh... don't really want to know. You you want, but you don't. It's very, it's a contradiction, like we all we all are, full of contradictions. And you worked lots with Tandy Newton. She, I, I think she's brilliant in this. She's actually up for a, a BAFTA for mm-hmm. another role that she was in last year in telly. What, what is she like to work with? She's amazing. She's, she's really... Uh, first, she's really, really smart, really intelligent. Um, and, of course, you share uh, the British sense of humor, which I love. And we have the best time working together. She made it very easy for me. Uh, and I think one of the reasons that uh, our characters have uh, chemistry and screen is because she, it was day one. She really, really was very downworth and very opened and very warm. And so we, we just really have a great time. I'm very, I'm blessed and very grateful to have the opportunity to work with her. Do you find that fans are, do they do they bug you a lot? Do they recognize you? Because you do look quite different, I think, in the show. To, yeah, to when I have, right now, I don't have my beard on. It, it's, uh, I'm more to Love Actually than to Westworld. But when I have my beard on, um, they do recognize me. They, you know, some for Westworld, yeah, they I get recognized a lot. Uh, some some of other works that I've done, no, like Three Hundred, never, because there's a lot of makeup going on and it's it's very different. But usually Westworld, yeah, yeah. And I was going to ask about Love Actually because it's it's such a huge popular film here it must be something that people still come up to you and talk about all the time yeah i got such great memories when i was here it was the first time i came to london it was 2003 if i'm not wrong and since then like it's unbelievable it's the the biggest feedback i get from any any film i was in 
It's love, actually. I guess it's because they play every year around Christmas time. It's on. It's in in the States. It's in Brazil, where I'm from. It's here in Europe. I think it's it's a favorite for for people who love the movie. Do you watch it at Christmas, or do you not like watching yourself? I do. I do watch it. I I tend to you know not watch many times you know the films that I've I've done because uh, that will lead to some criticism. And whatever I did then was the best I could do. And now, you know, 10 years later, you're much more mature, you know, you're much, you know, you're a different person. Then you look back and you go, oh, I wish I could have, could have, there's not such a thing. So I try not to overwatch. But Love Actually, I do, I have watched. It's probably the movie that I've watched the most because it's on and I've watched it. So after the return of ABBA and the return of Westworld, we can't not talk about the return of music from Kanye, can we, Stevie? Uh, and I just want to start off this whole bit by saying the words, poop diddy scoop <laughs> scoop diddy whoop whoop dee scoop poop I mean, honestly, that he, he offered, I would say, the best troll of the weekend. I mean, I could not stop listening to how stupid the song was. It's brilliantly and, stupid. And, as you started to listen to it more and more, I weirdly started to fall in love with it. Yes, so now, same. I was so, and go around, the, go around the house going, scoop de dee poop de dee scoop de dee scoop But is it a joke? Is it, it's not a real song, though, is it, that one? No, it's not a joke. I mean, no, it's, it, it is what it is what Kanye West wants you to think it is. And 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 the, the the you know the flip side was on Friday they also released he also released another single which was a uh, a song called Ye versus the People where he talks about his uh, appreciation of Trump and how you know uh, if Trump could be president then Kanye could be president mm-hmm. and you know and and all these wonderful little things that that just you know, make us eye roll whenever you say the word Kanye West these days. And so, I don't know, he's not doing anything to kind of improve his, his image, but at the same time, his fans seem to love it. So I, I don't I don't know where this is right now. <laughs> he's, he's much like Donald Trump in that every time he tweets at the moment, it becomes a news story. I mean, since Kanye's come back to Twitter, it's just been very bizarre, hasn't it? And he's gotten other people in trouble because, like, Chance the Rapper you know, wanted to understand where he was coming from. And the next, you know, Trump tweeted, thanks for your support, you know, and then like, and then Chance had to like backtrack because he's not a fan of Trump. And then John Legend said like, you know, maybe you should be careful what you say because you have such fans that they really believe in what you do. And then he, of course, like took a photo of that, reposted it on Twitter and then like made John Legend into like a a, a nasty person instead of him. And it's like the whole thing just is a big mess. And so I I don't understand where he's coming from, but at the same time... Energy reference as well. <laughs> yeah, the fact that he said he said that he, since he wears those "Make America Great Again" hats, he's now switched it from a negative to a positive because Kanye gets to wear these hats and it's improved the image of the hats. And I was like, I can't believe the gall of this man. And 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 yet, flip side, he pooped and he scoops us, and uh, we, <laughs> we, we love it. We giggle, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's he's he's really playing us right now. And and there's there's talk that maybe the next album is going to be an extremely political one. And so this is a good kind of of testing ground to see how people are reacting and if it is as as uh, charged as as it, as it could be then we've got a big album coming out from from this man 
two things I love about this story. The, one, the dragon energy reference that he and Donald share <laughs> their dragon energy. And when you think of what, what was the last dragon energy reference we had? Oh, from, from Charlie Sheen, wasn't it? The dragon blood. <laughs> so that's, that's someone that you want to be I thought you were going to start talking about with. Pokemon then. I was like, um, oh, I'm out with that. <laughs> <laughs> and then also the tweet that Kanye West had to send out that, um, oh, it's like the most put upon nagged husband ever so after saying that he liked trump uh or yeah she he had to put out a tweet saying my wife just called me and just she just wanted me to make this clear to everyone i don't agree with everything trump does i don't agree a hundred percent with anyone but myself can you imagine that phone call kim's like rung him up and said what have you tweeted well all i can hear as she's talking to him but in the background mama jenner is just like remind him you know <laughs> Couldn't and then she's repeating. <laughs> the momager's like, Kim, could you have a little word with Kanye, please? <laughs> Perhaps not a great week for Kanye, maybe, but it has been a great week for Marvel. Their latest superhero offering, Avengers Infinity War, has broken global box office records. It took £457 million in its opening weekend, and it's not even been released in China yet, which is like its second biggest market or something. So what do you think then, Stevie? Because obviously Black Panther, hugely successful. Now this, is is there an unending appetite for superhero well, movies? Hmm. Well, okay, so the answer is yes. There's going to be an ending appetite for the superhero movie. I have to give it up for Marvel because the fact that this is the film number 19, you think that there's going to be like the superhero fatigue, and they've managed to... I mean, because they've taken every single character from all the films and they threw them in this, like, kind of, you know, pot and they've, like, blown it out of proportion. I mean, it's, it's, it is bigger than anything I've ever seen in terms of a superhero film, and what they do with it is, is quite fascinating. Um, so is from it a, genuinely good? Is it, I mean, will I have, it's, it's, having it's not a, seen any of the other superhero films, could I come and watch it? It's a good film. Um, do you and, need and, to know and, the backstories, though? Uh, sure. They're superheroes. How's that? And, and they're, <laughs> they're superheroes, and there's a bad guy that wants to like do something to all of them. And so that's I feel like the best way to describe it. Um, yes, they're all in costumes, and they kind of you know I don't want to give any spoilers. This is the, probably the worst thing, about, but it really does uh, bring it to the next kind of decade uh, uh, of 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 where these movies are headed. And and it's very it's very ingenious how they do it. So that's kind of the best way I can describe it. And I've got to say, it. round of applause for Stevie there for talking oh, about yeah. the film that we can't actually just, talk yeah, about. Yeah, just so. saying nothing, but, but hopefully something at the same time. You're welcome. <laughs> so let's go back in time now. Katie's going to take us... Uh, all the way back to a, a very special relationship. So I have been having a, another delve through the Sky archives and I thought to take you back to 1995 and the media circus that was surrounding the war, the rivalry between Blur and Oasis. Britpop was, of course, at its height. And for those of you that can't quite remember... Um, what it happened at the time, basically, in the very, very early days of Britpop, they got on. You'd see them at award shows and actually things weren't too bad. But then Liam, being Liam, decided to give a few interviews making fun of Damon. Then, as the boss of Creation Records described it recently, Oasis being Oasis decided to hate them, Blur being Blur thought it was a game and so Blur and their label decided to pick this massive big chart fight they decided to put Country House out at the same time that Roll With It was due to be released arguably 
both of the songs really were the weakest that both bands had ever put out. But the newspapers went to town. The showdown ended with Blur winning, but everyone came across uh, not very well in the end. Graham Coxon from Blur famously threatened to jump out of a window over the whole affair. Um, but at the height of the rivalry... This is when I'm going to take you back to the evening of the Mercury Prize Awards. It's 1995. Blur haven't been nominated. Oasis are nominated for Definitely Maybe. And Noel Gallagher, well, he is on fine form talking about their rivalry. No, not, not until I see him and have a word with him about what he said about my band behind our backs. It's not over. And um, until I speak to him, it's not over. Because uh, there's a lot of things been said, a lot of lies have been told. If they want to buy their records in the charts, and fake their chart positions and rip their fans off. That's up to them. We'd never do that. They're on a major record company. Um, we're not. They were marketed very, very, very slickly. We just put the records in the shops and, and whatever happened, happened. But, I mean, it was like we went in at number two and they went in at number one, but it was like when Strawberry Fields went in at number two and Ingleburg Umpendink went in at number one. It's the same thing. We're only concerned about what our fans think. Whatever anybody else thinks, we could not give a flying... Country house crap. So could you give a flying country house then, Katie? <laughs> it was so big at the time, the rivalry though, wasn't it? You, I, you had to pick a side. Well, I wasn't there during this period of time, so I'm just curious, where were you on, in terms of team Team Oasis, Team Blur? Where, where did you land? Oh, I'm so ashamed to admit this now, because now I'm <laughs> firmly, Oasis firmly Team well. Oasis. But I was, I was younger then, and, you know, we all make mistakes when we're young. And uh, <laughs> I was Team Blur. So was I. Mm-hmm. But I think it was because I was a teenager and it was all about, with Blur, it was dressing like a mod almost, wasn't it? In the vintage clothes and it was about an attitude and a look. I think if you look back at the music, though, Oasis perhaps did win it for the albums, really, didn't they? Yeah, without doubt, without doubt. Because this was, 95 was definitely maybe, right? That's what they were Mm. up for. That's the album that the Mercury Prize uh, was in the running for the Mercury Prize. And they went, you know, went on from there to do What's the Story, which was, you know, another absolutely huge album. Well, the the truth of the fact is because, you know, again, I was not in the UK during this time, but I do now know more Oasis songs than I do Blur songs. So I think as as a, a standard of the test of time, Oasis seemed to have come up with the classics as opposed to the Blur Boys. So um, that's just my perspective. I don't know if you feel like that, but it, it does feel like... I can I can sing a couple of Oasis songs at karaoke as opposed to if you ask me to do Blur one I'd be like mm, boys and girls maybe. Oh, I'd love yeah, to get you to do that, Stevie. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll do that. I'll definitely do that. <laughs> Next time we're doing karaoke for sure, for sure. <laughs> but that's all we've got time for this week. So um, please do get in touch with us if you've got any feedback, questions, topics you'd like us to chat about. You can get hold of us all individually, Stevie. Where can they get hold of you? They can find me on Twitter, or if they really want to, they can go to the Facebook page and see all my updates and things. I'm going to the Cannes Film Festival, and while I'm there, I'm going to be doing a personal podcast of, of just my adventures there. Very simple, kind of man-on-the-street kind of thing. So if you want to support it, if you can, just like give it a listen uh, while Cannes Film Festival is going on. Ooh, Cannes, ooh la la. So glamorous. <laughs> so glamorous. <laughs> um, Katie, where can you be found? Uh, best to find me on Instagram, really. Spenny Picks. And I'm also on Instagram for Sky Showbiz. So that's it for this time, and we'll speak to you again very soon. Bye. 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 Bye.